Father in heaven, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for your grace and your mercy that has allowed us to gather here. And Lord, we thank you for how you have blessed us with so many gifts. And Lord, we pray that as we spend the next 45 minutes here, that you will be with us and pour out your spirit, Lord, so that we will know you. We will know how you have related to us and how we are to relate to you. Father, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Uh, welcome to the equipping class, Lord of the Covenants. I hope you all picked up the theme. Um, but uh, today is our first class. And before we go any deeper into the covenants, I'm sure all of you have a lot of questions. I've had a lot of people come and talk to me about it and ask me a few things. Hopefully, we will get into all of that. But the first thing that we want to do today is ground ourselves as to what is a covenant. That will be the focus of today. Before we start looking into the different covenants and dive deep into what each of them mean and how they apply and relate to us, the first thing we want to do is have a good understanding of what is a covenant and what does it mean for us and why should we study it, okay? So having said that, um, let's get started. Okay, what is a covenant? And I'm looking for responses. What is a covenant? A promise, a promise, okay. Let's see here. Relation, relationship with obligation, okay. Agreement, okay. Any other answers? A contract. Okay, maybe one or two more. Something that Presbyterians are always fond of talking about. Great answer there, Dan. <clears throat> Anything that can better that or top that answer? Okay, I think this is good. We, we hit a lot of the ones that I was looking for. And um, Okay, so there is a definition, uh, and we will definitely look at what a covenant means in a very simpler way, but I thought this definition was very helpful uh, by Daniel Lane. He says that a covenant is an enduring agreement that defines a relationship between two parties involving a solemn binding obligation or obligations specified on the part of at least one of the parties toward the other made by oath under threat of divine curse and ratified by a visual ritual. Okay, so I've, I've bolded some of the items here uh, that are key in this definition. First of all, it is a relationship, okay, uh, between two parties, and it involves obligations, it involves oath, and there is sometimes divine curse, and then there is also a visual ritual, okay? So, it's a very good definition, and I think most of you hit on some of these topics as you were giving out your answers. Um, the Hebrew word for covenant, and this is very um, common in the ancient 
Near East or in that culture. Uh, you can find covenants all across history and in not just in the Bible, but also outside of the Bible. And we'll look at some of that today. But the Hebrew word is berit. And when you come across this word in the Hebrew, uh, in the Old Testament, you will either come across it as cut a covenant or make or establish a covenant. And these are important, and we'll get into this probably in the later classes, but just remember that when you read, uh, when you come across covenant, you will either see it as establish a covenant or cut a covenant. So in the history of Israel, a covenant always entails um, typically these four items. It is a relationship, okay? It's primarily a relationship. It is with a non-relative, okay? You don't need a covenant with a relative. I hope you are following your obligations to your relatives without a covenant, without a written document, okay? But it's typically with a non-relative. Uh, the best example that you can think of is marriage. Marriage is a covenant between two people who are not relatives, hopefully, and um, when they come together, there is a covenant, and we'll talk about that more uh, today. It involves obligations, and the obligations, we'll look at that also, what those obligations are. There is one primary obligation that is included in a covenant, and we'll look at that, and it is established by an oath. There is always an oath of promise, someone called out promise, so that's always part of a covenant. And very often, not always, but very often, there is a visual ritual. There is a visual sign. And you can think of the different covenants in the Old Testament also. There are signs of every covenant, right? And we'll talk about that a little more today. But there is a sign, but there are some covenants which don't have signs also. It is an agreement, it is enacted and it, between two parties, and there it is, okay? Someone also said that a covenant could be a contract, but a contract does not have the aspect of relationship, okay? And a contract has no relationship. You go buy something from, say, Best Buy, you don't have a relationship with Best Buy. You just go buy it, and you have a contract that you will pay 20 bucks, and they will give you a piece of cable, okay? So that's a contract. There is no relationship over there. So... The difference between a contract and a covenant, it's important to understand this because there are promises, there are some similarities between contract and covenant. There are obligations. When you go to Best Buy, you are obligated to pay Best Buy the money that they are charging for the piece of item that they are selling. Okay, there are obligations and there is an agreement, but there is no relationship. So a contract is thing-oriented. It's usually for the sale, for transaction, and we'll come to that also. So it is transactional. It is thing-oriented and it is transactional, but a covenant is person-oriented. Again, we spoke about marriage. Marriage, it's person-oriented. It's between two people. And if you're in one of the Eastern cultures, it's actually between two families. It's not just between two individuals. So, um, and then there is the aspect of relationship or loyalty. That's the biggest obligation that you will find in a covenant. There is loyalty. You're expected to be loyal. And there are consequences for not being loyal, for disloyalty. And think about marriage, 
right? I mean, you can keep, you can think about marriage as an example for most of the things that we will talk because that's one of the best examples of the covenants that God has given us, okay? Um, a, tra a transaction is also negotiated. When you go to buy your used car, that's the best example I can find. You're negotiating, you're haggling, you're trying to find the best deal. And in that situation, both parties are looking for the best deal, the best option that they can come out of this transaction, right? But in a covenant, it, there is no negotiation. It's a gift. And we will look at more of that uh, as we look at the covenants today and also uh, the future covenants, it's more a gift. You're not negotiating, uh, I don't know, maybe I should be careful here. You're, so most of the times you're not negotiating during a marriage, although you have a prenup, but let's not worry about that. But you're not negotiating in a marriage, it's more a gift. You're gifting yourself to your spouse to, uh, and your spouse, your wife or your husband is gifting themselves to you. It's a gift, right? And also, a contract is mostly temporary. A covenant is permanent. If, you go back, if we go back to the definition, a covenant is an enduring agreement. Okay, it endures. And that's why Jesus also said, what God has joined, let no man separate. Okay, a contract is temporary. A covenant is permanent. Any questions so far? Clear? Yes, Ryan. Until fulfilled. I will say it's permanent until fulfilled. Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, is it permanent until something replaces it? Uh, I would say it's permanent until it's fulfilled. Okay, so the main thing that I want all of us to get from today, even if you don't get anything else, is to understand that covenants are about relationship. Okay, that's the main thing I want us to understand today. And this will be the foundation for how we look at covenants and how God has enacted covenants with us throughout history and throughout um, uh, since creation. Okay. God is always looking to be in a relationship with us. I mean, think about even creation. He created us, created the whole world and the creation because he wanted to enter into a relationship with humans and with all of creation, right? And then uh, we go through the storyline of the Bible and you see more covenants enacted and there are different relationships or the relationship is... Uh, it's a different relationship. Let me just say that right now. Okay? All right. So, knowing that covenants are all about relationship, now we can understand why it is important for us to study these covenants. Okay? You cannot pick up the Bible and not come across um, covenants. You'll find the word covenant first in Genesis chapter 6 or 9 um, in the Noah account. Um, but as you start reading the Bible, you will come across covenants, and covenants are an essential part 
of the Bible story. As I said, God has always entered into relationship, into covenants with humans, and there are different um, mediators, the covenant mediators. Those are the heads of the covenants who represent the rest of the people. So he's entered into covenants with people through different covenant mediators. And the covenants, they sort of form the backbone of the biblical narrative. I'm not saying that the Old Testament or the Bible is all about covenants. There are so many things in the Bible, but one of the things that you will see from the beginning till the end um, are covenants. And as I said, they show God's desire to enter into relationship with humans. So anytime you are reading a portion of the Bible, be it Old Testament or New Testament, it's always important to remember where are we in the biblical storyline, in the biblical narrative. What is the covenant that is operative at that time? Or how many covenants have come before it? Right. So if you're in, say, Exodus before uh, chapter 20, you are not yet at the Sinai covenant. Right? So the Sinai covenant is not in effect yet. So you have to keep that in mind because that helps you also understand what are you reading and to understand what the original people were going through and were understanding as they experienced different revelations from God. Okay. And this is also important that we always talk about context when we look at biblical passages. Uh, this is another aspect of context that you have to keep in mind, the context of the story itself. Where are you? Where are you in the story? Right? And what, how has God revealed himself to people? Again, in most of the covenants, God is revealing himself, saying that this is what I will do because this is who I am. Right? And that's how he is revealing himself. So it's important for us to keep in mind where are we in the story and what is how has God revealed himself? Okay, that's, that's the part of context. Um, so, where are we right now? What's our relationship with God? Anybody? Sons and daughters. <laughs> Sons and daughters, okay. New covenant, great. So we are in the new covenant, right? Any other responses? Seth? Seth? Mediated through Jesus. Mediated through Jesus, yes. More permanent. More permanent, okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because they're permanent and fulfilled, so ours is fulfilled in a, in a meaningful way, in a way the other ones were, I guess, they had an end in view, I guess. So Rick says that the others probably had an end in view, and this is more permanent because it will last forever. It will never end. Okay, that's a good point. Sorry? The covenant with Noah is not ended. We will look at that when we look at Noah's covenant. So all good points. Yes, Chris. Say that again, please. How I care about how proud God is in me, not my pride itself. 
yeah, so I want to make him proud of me. So that shows you how God values you and how God is proud of you. Is that what you were saying? Yep. So it shows how God has related to us and how he loves us, if that's the word that I could use there. So yes, we are in the new covenant, and that is one of the covenants that we will look at. But how do we get how did we get to the new covenant? Is that the only covenant? Did we just land into the new covenant like say uh, Star Trek, we just got beamed in to the new covenant? How did we get to the new covenant? Can somebody open up Hebrews chapter one, please? Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. Uh, give people a second if they're still getting to the Bible. Okay, yeah, go ahead, Beckery. All right, probably verses 1 and 2. But it says, long ago, God spoke to the prophets through various ways. But in these last days, he's spoken through his son. And as Seth said, uh, the son, Jesus, is the mediator of the new covenant. So we got into this new covenant because of Jesus. But there have been many covenants before that, many relationships, and God has revealed himself in multiple ways before he revealed himself fully through Jesus. Okay, John 1.18, um, that the Son, the only begotten Son, has revealed uh, God to us, right? So, but in the past, God has spoken through many prophets and many different ways to reveal himself. And that is how, through a progression of different covenants, we are here in the new covenant. So for us to understand where we are, it is also important to know what has come before, right? Because we just didn't get beamed in to the new covenant. We are on a, at a certain place in God's storyline. And that is why we will look at all those previous covenants also and how eventually they all come to fulfillment in Jesus and how we find our place in the new covenant. Yes, John. Yeah, it's also a reference to all the witnesses. And we will, the witnesses, they were part of different timeline, right? So they have, um, as God spoke to them, they have revealed to us what God spoke to them. So we will, that's how we understand. And then when we look at Jesus, he himself said that I've come to fulfill. What did he come to fulfill? So we understand that. I would say it's some way dependent or informed by the previous covenant. So 
again, Jesus came to fulfill all the promises, all everything. Uh, and if we will look at some references now, but he fulfilled all of the covenants and all of God's promises find their yes in Jesus. So what did God promise? How did he re relate to people? He promised certain things to Abraham. He promised certain things to Moses and to David and to Jeremiah. So all of those things, when Jesus came, what did he come to accomplish? Right? So there is the new covenant is um, the fulfillment of how God has interacted with humans. And where the covenant mediators and the covenant parties were not faithful, Jesus was faithful. And that's how he fulfilled. Does that answer your question? Sort of. Okay. Probably once we get into different covenants, it'll get a little clearer. similarity in the sense of previous covenants that were ratified and maybe even completed before Christ were they dependent on what's prior to them are they are they linked to each other by design or is that something unique to this covenant no I think the previous covenants are also linked to the ones before it okay. yeah so we'll look by at design. yes yes by design so we will so one example I will say is uh, the mosaic covenant just a quick quickly Mosaic covenant, it is dependent on Abrahamic covenant. Because God said, out of you, God promised Abraham, I will give you the nation. And that's why he enacted the covenant with the Israelites through Moses. So there is a link from one covenant to another covenant. Yes. Okay, can someone quickly read, or maybe I'll read it myself. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 9 to 10. Ephesians 1, 9 to 10, it says, He made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure that he purposed in Christ, as a plan for the right time, to bring everything together in Christ, both things in heaven and things on earth in him. So basically, Paul is saying that God purposed all of these things, and his intention was to bring everything together in Christ. Okay, and he did that at the right time when Christ was revealed. Okay, so all of these find their fulfillment in Christ, and that's also important for us to see. And because they find their fulfillment in Christ, when we study these covenants, we also understand what did Jesus come to accomplish? Okay, we will understand Jesus' work and what did he fulfill? Matthew 5, 17, he says, I've come to fulfill the law and the prophets. Okay, so what does it mean to fulfill the law and the prophets? Uh, Galatians 3, Paul says that Jesus was the seed that was promised to Abraham. Romans 5, Jesus is compared to Adam, right? And we'll look at that also. And Hebrews 8, you can see the whole book of Hebrews is showing how Jesus is better. Uh, and the covenant that Jesus mediated is a better covenant than the old covenant. And finally, it is important for us to understand these covenants um, 
because different understandings of the covenants lead to different theologies and therefore they lead to different practices okay so uh, dan mentioned presbyterians love to talk about covenants um, that's because there is a view um, of the presbyterians there is a covenantal view of the presbyterians it's called covenant theology right and then you have other systems like the dispensationalism and then you have uh, so many other um, at least five or six other systems where they view and understand the covenants differently and because of that they have a different theology and because of their different theology they have different practices right and the best example i can give you is infant baptism right the reason that people who practice infant baptism practice infant baptism is because their understanding of the old covenant and how it relates to the new covenant and we'll talk about the, that also as we look at these covenants but it's important for us to know how these covenants relate to one another and as rick was asking there is a relationship and some items are still applicable today and we'll talk about those also and some items are not so there is continuity and there is discontinuity between the covenants so and that's a big reason why we have to look at covenants and why we have to study covenants okay so we are part of a baptist church because we don't understand covenants the way presbyterians do okay if we did we would be baptizing our babies but we don't so all right any questions okay so let's talk about the types of covenants um this will be a brief um, look at the different types of covenants but it is important for us to understand because most of the covenants in the bible typically fall under these categories and uh, let's look at them the first there are two you could broadly divide them into two categories unilateral covenant and bilateral covenant so unilateral covenant as it says it's one party who makes a pledge to the other there's only one party that is pledging to the other the other party has no pledges has no obligations it's one party who makes the pledge to the other party bilateral obviously it's both parties who are making pledges to each other okay uh the unilateral covenant is dependent on what the pledging party wants to accomplish okay so it's unilateral so it's more about whoever is pledging saying that this is what i want to do and this is what i will do and so it's dependent on what the part the person who's pledging or the party who's pledging wants to accomplish but when it comes to um a bilateral covenant it's both parties are involved and it's dependent on both parties on the pledges of both parties and this is also uh significant uh when you think about loyalty right so in a unilateral covenant there is loyalty expected only from one person because only one person or only one party is pledging obligations so the failure or the success of the covenant depends on that one party and the loyalty and the faithfulness of that one party 
But when it comes to a bilateral covenant, it's dependent on both parties. So the faithfulness, uh, sorry, the success or the failure of that covenant depends on the faithfulness of both parties. And uh, quickly, if uh, you can look at these passages later, but Ezekiel 17 uh, verses 12 to 15, and this, in this situation, Judah pledges loyalty to Babylon, okay, because Babylon captures uh, Judah, and Judah pledges loyalty to Babylon, but Babylon has no pledges, okay, so it's dependent on Judah and the faithfulness of Judah, and in the second example, uh, 2 Kings chapter 11, verses 4 to 12, Jehoiada, uh, Jehoiada uh, places the royal guard under oath to show loyalty to Joash, who is the king's son. Okay, so Joash has no commitments. He's still young, but Jehoiada, he places the royal guard, uh, the whole guard, under covenant, under oath to serve the king. So the faithfulness, uh, so the, the covenant is unilateral where the royal guard is the one who is pledging allegiance and loyalty to uh, Joash, who is the king's son. Again, in bilateral, uh, can someone read from Genesis chapter 26, verse 28? Uh, can you read a verse, one verse before that and one verse after that, please? Yeah, so it's the people of Gerar who are making a covenant with Isaac. And they're saying that clearly God is with you, so Please, you don't harm us, and we will not harm you either. Okay, so it's a peace treaty where they're basically saying, let's just be in peace. And there is a ceremony after that, and they have a feast, so there is a ritual. But this is a bilateral covenant where both parties are saying, let's be peaceful towards each other in a nutshell. Okay, and then I will let you look at Judges 2, 1 through 4. It's a very, there are two covenants in four verses. I'll let you figure that out. Okay, so other covenants in the Old Testament. Uh, there are international treaties, Joshua 9, um, 6, and 1 Kings 15, 19. There are clan alliances, which could you could say it's again an international treaty if you consider a clan to be a nation. But there are clan alliances. There are personal agreements. There are national agreements. There is loyalty agreements. The loyalty agreements. Um, this is between um, Jonathan and David. If you remember the story, Jonathan and D David they make a covenant to be loyal to each other, because Saul is trying to kill David, and then Jonathan is on David's side. So they pledge loyalty to one another, and of course, marriage, as we have discussed. Okay. Now, covenants, they're not unique to the Bible. They're also found outside of the Bible in the ancient Near East context, okay? And these are found 
through archaeological studies. They found documents, covenants with the Hittites and different other tribes. There are it's very similar and if and the book of Deuteronomy is like a covenant in the ancient Near East. Not similar in content, but in the format and how it is structured, it's like a covenant. Okay. Um, it's very similar to the covenants that they have found outside of the Bible. Um, and in these covenants, again, there are two types of covenants. The first one is called the suzerain vassal treaties. And the second one are the royal grants. A suzerain vassal treaty is a treaty between a great king, who's called a suzerain, and a client king or a lower king, who's called the vassal. Okay. But in a royal grant, it's just a gift given by a king. Okay, there is no uh, great king. I mean, there is, of course, there is a person who is at a higher power, and then there is somebody else who is the recipient. So in the, in the royal grant, the king just decides to give, say, land or position or a gift or anything else. Like, I'm going to place you as the governor of this place uh, just because I want to, because you have say, been faithful to me in the past, and I want to be, um, I want to show my favor towards you, so I'm going to place you as governor over this province. Okay, so that's a royal grant. But in a suzerain vassal, it's typically between a great king, and this is, this happens mainly during war, when one uh, king captures another king, obviously the capturing king is greater, and then the captured king could say, hey, let's strike a deal, and be merciful to me, do not kill me, and you can protect me, and those kind of things. And the suzerain will say, yes, we'll do that, but in return, I want you to do these things. Okay, so there is some kind of a relationship, and there is loyalty also, right? The expectation is that the vassal would be loyal, and he won't backstab the suzerain king. Okay. Um, Again, the enforce uh, the suzerain vassal treaties. It enforces the interest of suzerain and loyalty of vassals. Um, the royal grants they enforce the desire of the king towards the recipient. As I said, the vassal king is obligated to the greater, to the to the suzerain. But in a royal grant, the greater king or the person who wants to do a favor is obligated to the recipient. Because if he promises, I mean, he's promising out of his own accord, right? No one's forcing him to do that. He says, I'm going to make you governor of this land. So I am obligated now, because of the word that I've given, to make you governor of this province. Okay, so there is an obligation on the greater king in the royal grant. And the curse, obviously, if you don't follow the obligations of the covenant. The curse is on the vassal if he violates, but in this case, the curse is on those who do not honor the king's grant. Like if, say, uh, a king places George as the governor of Rhode Island, and if I am in the, in the state of Rhode Island, and I say, George, I don't honor it, I don't, I don't uh, see you as the governor, I don't like it, in that situation, the curse will be on me because I am the one who is not honoring George as the governor placed by, let's say, Travis. Okay? So the curse is not on the parties, but it's on the people who don't honor that grant. 
The suzerain vassal treaties, of course, they protect the suzerain because he's the greater king, but in the royal grant, it protects the recipient, right? So any violation of the covenant will protect the recipient. So if I don't honor uh, George as the governor, it will protect George, it won't protect me or the king, it will protect George. And in the suzerain vassal treaties, there is a reward for future loyalties. Do this and I will protect you or you be loyal to me and I will uh, give you shelter, I'll give you food, I will not kill your people and things like that. So there is um, rewards for future loyalty, but in the royal grant, the reward is for prior loyalty. Like in the case of appointing a governor over a province, it's like, I trust this guy, I know him, he's been faithful to me in the past, and this is somebody whom I can trust, so I'm gonna give him and make him the governor of this place. So there is a reward for prior loyalty. So as we look at these, the biblical covenants may or may not fall in these categories. The Susan, Vassal, and the Royal Grants. It's very difficult to classify each of the covenants in these categories, but these are the covenants that were in existence in history. Okay, so covenants are not new to the Bible, um, but they are something that was part of the culture, and you can see them um, even outside of the Bible. Okay, so now what are some of the biblical covenants that you know of? Um, I heard Adamic. Okay, give me one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put an asterisk there, and we'll, I'll talk about it soon. Abrahamic. Noah. Moses. David. Yeah, good. Sinai would be Moses. Yep. New? You sure? Yeah? Okay. New. Okay, good. Um, so I put an asterisk in Adamic, and we'll talk about this next week. Um, there is debate over if... The, if there is a covenant with Adam, because you don't see the word covenant in Genesis 1 through 3, and there is no ritual, there is no real enactment of a covenant. So is there really a covenant with Adam, or say with creation? So there is a debate, and we'll talk about that next week. Um, but otherwise, you guys hit on most of it. I don't know if you've heard of the covenant of redemption. If you haven't, we'll talk about it next week. Again, the two on the left, they are debated if they are actual covenants, but some 
groups hold on to it as actual covenants. Some groups do not hold on to it as actual covenants. But it's important for us to look at what they are and to understand. And um, I'll leave it to you if you want to consider them covenants or not. But we will look at what they are and what they represent and how God has revealed and related to us. But then you have clear covenants in the Bible, starting with Noah, the Noahic covenant and the Abrahamic covenant, uh, Mosaic, or the Mosaic covenant goes by different names, Sinai covenant, Old covenant, Levitical covenant. So there are different names for Mosaic covenant. Um, Davidic covenant, um, we'll look at that also. New covenant, there is new covenant in the Old Testament. Okay, um, God promises to Ezekiel and to Jeremiah, and also in Deuteronomy chapter 30, you will find it. Um, quickly, can someone say what is the new covenant promised in the Old Testament? Yes, Seth. Spirit, yes. God promises to give them his spirit. A heart of flesh, yes, a new heart. Okay, so that is significant in the Old Testament uh, where God talks about the new covenant that is coming. And then, of course, you have the new covenant in the New Testament. So one thing that we did not talk about is most of these covenants have markers or signs of the covenant. Okay, so if you think about the Noahic covenant, what's the sign of the Noahic covenant? The rainbow, right? And Abrahamic covenant circumcision. So we'll look at all of those. And again, we have signs of each of these covenants. Not all of them do have signs, though. And when we look at each of these covenants, we'll talk about those as well. Okay. So I think with that, I want to end today's class, but I want to give you an understanding of where we are headed. So now that we have understood covenants and why they're important, covenants are all about relationship. The reason we have covenants in the Bible is because God wanted, uh, wanted to enter into relationship with us. Okay, There was no obligation on him to do it. He, did, he was under no obligation to create the universe. Okay, And there was no obligation on him to call Noah. There was no obligation on him to call um, Abraham. But once he bound himself to Abraham, he puts on an obligation upon himself. And we will look at that as we uh, look at the different covenants. Because he has promised and he will fulfill his promise. Okay, So we, what we will do is we will understand how God has revealed himself, yes. But the way we will do that is we will look at each covenant in its context. Okay, We will look at where in time and history and in the storyline did this covenant come about? What was God intending to reveal through this covenant, through this relationship? And then eventually we will also see um, how they find their fulfillment in Christ. But when we look at each of these covenants, of course, we're going to look at the purpose, the parties involved, the pledges, the provisions, etc., um, so that's, that's the main focus of this class, is to look at each of the covenants first in their context, and then how they find their fulfillment in Christ, and then what does it mean for us today? Because there is continuity and there is discontinuity. Okay? 
So some things continue on even into the new covenant. Uh, if you think about the new covenant, the new covenant is not extensive like the Sinai covenant. The whole book of Deuteronomy could be looked at a, as a covenant. Um, how many ever chapters there are? 30 something. Um, but the new covenant doesn't have all of those. It, it's not an extensive document or um, pledges and provisions and things like that like the old covenant. So what happened to everything? All of that. Is everything carried on? Is are only few things carried on? What about the things that are not carried on? What happens? So we will understand all of that. The same thing with the other covenants also. So there is continuity and there is discontinuity. And, and as I said, the way you understand the continuity and the discontinuity determines your theology and your practice. And of course, we will consider the different theological systems that and the way they interpret these covenants. Okay, any questions? All right, so next week we will look at the non-covenantal covenants, which is the covenant of redemption and the covenant with creation. Okay, so let me close, uh, let me pray and close. Father God, again, we thank you for who you are and how you have revealed yourself. We thank you, Lord, that you are a gracious God and that you have chosen to reveal yourself to us and to enter into relationship with us. Lord, we are not worthy. And Lord, um, the best way you have shown that, shown your grace and mercy to us is through your son, Jesus, who took on our sins and died on the cross for us, for not for the sin and the punishment we deserved, but we did not merit any of the favor that we received. We thank you, Lord, for this, and we thank you for your grace and your mercy. And Lord, we pray that as we go into uh, service, that we will hear from you and that we will be enriched by you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.